Uh, my name is Stuart Mazel. I am the uh, lead pastor here, and it is great to see all of you here today, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. Today we get to start a new series, sermon series that we're calling Let's Get Spiritual. And uh, if that reminds you of an 80s song, there is, there is a little bit of truth in that. But don't worry, I will not wear exercise clothes with leg warmers, <laughs> ever, ever. Um, today we're going to be looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. And this is what God's Word, um, the Holy Spirit leading Paul to write these words, not just for the church then, but for the church today. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'd like to pray for us. Um, Lord, before we dive into this passage, we pause and simply ask for your help. We've just read words that said the natural person, the person that is not spiritual, cannot understand. But we want to understand. We want to not only understand, but we want to believe. And even if we don't want to believe, we, we don't want to just sit in this room and go through the motions. We, we want an encounter with you. So Holy Spirit, meet us where we are. For those of us who are unbelievers, meet us in that unbelief and bring us to belief. For those of us who believe, strengthen our belief. For those of us who are distracted by many things in our lives, give us focus. Whatever it is that we need, Holy Spirit, give it to us today that we would hear what you have to say to us, and we would respond with faith, repentance, and obedience. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God, and for our good, and for the good of people around us, we pray this. Amen. Spiritual, but not religious. Anyone ever heard that phrase before? That's a phrase that has been heard quite often in our society over the last several years. 
Typically, the phrase actually means people want to distance themselves from organized religion, like a church setting like this. But we have to admit the word spiritual is a slippery term, right? It could mean all kinds of things. Someone who describes themselves as spiritual may, may believe in God, or at least a God, or they may believe in more than one God, or they may believe in an impersonal power source that we can tap into. Or they may simply mean that they believe there is a reality beyond our five senses of sight and hearing, taste, touch, and smell. Something that is distinctly other than what we normally experience in this life. Something that is very well may not be proved by the scientific method, the supernatural, right? Well, one thing is for sure, as Emma Green, who is the religious writer for The Atlantic, has described it, people who call themselves spiritual but not religious are, and this is the quote, defining their own sense of identity with a sort of mix and match, make your own form of spirituality. In other words... It's all about what I want it to be about, whatever that may be. It's sort of patchwork, like a quilt. I'll take a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, and at the end I'll have something that I like, something that I can live with. Whether it really fits with reality or not, doesn't matter. It's what I want is the most important. So you may be wondering, well, Stuart, if you're saying this whole series is called Let's Get Spiritual, is that what you're referring to? Don't worry. That's not what we're trying to talk about today. But I do want to make a preliminary point. And, and I, I don't know if I've done this before, but this is, I'm going to spend some time on a preliminary point before we actually get into the sermon. So I know we're already in the sermon, but the sermon proper is a little bit a ways away yet. This is just the pre-knowledge test that you take before you actually get to the real test, okay? Everybody following what I'm saying? Okay, so a preliminary point that we have to start with before we go anywhere else, a preliminary point, this is it. The word spiritual in Scripture, now I'm not talking about in the society, but in Scripture, the word spiritual ordinarily means pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Okay? When you read the word spiritual in the Bible, it normally means, ordinarily means, most of the time means pertaining to the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack that just a bit. First of all, if it means pertaining to the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? Now that's a sermon in and of itself. But remember earlier when we sang holy, holy, holy? Remember that? And we said the phrase, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That's a description of our God. A very brief summary of who he is, but a summary nonetheless. See, the scriptures teach that there's only one God, one true and living God, but this one God, in some mysterious way, is not one person, but three Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But there are not three gods. There's only one God. Now, I know that kind of makes your head, you know, wobble around. It's weird. But it's the God that has revealed himself to us. One God, three persons, the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is what we call the third person of the Trinity. Now, let me say something really quick, because I, I, I never miss a chance to say this. The Holy Spirit is personal. Please. Stop calling the Holy Spirit an it. Please. Not an impersonal power source. The Holy Spirit is personal. How would you like to be called an it? If you don't like it, don't call the Holy Spirit an it. Okay, that's aside. Sorry. That wasn't even in my notes. Now, a lot more can be said about the Trinity, and I would love to say more, but for the purposes of this sermon, I'm going to need to move on. But before I do, if any of you have this idea that like the Trinity really confuses you and you don't get it, or maybe you wonder, why is it so important that we believe in a God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or maybe you just want to grow in your love for the triune God. I've got a book suggestion for you. I don't normally do this, but here's the book, Delighting in the Trinity, An Introduction to the Christian Faith by Michael Reeves. It, it, it's a great book. It gives you not only the background of understanding more of who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but also tells you the whys behind that, why that's important, and it's kind of fun. It's written on a level that everybody can understand. Let me give you a very brief um, statement from this book. He says, God is a mystery, but not in the alien abductions, things that go bump in the night sense. Certainly not in the who can know why bother sense. God is a mystery in that who he is and what he is like are secrets, things we would never have worked out by ourselves. But this triune God has revealed himself to us. Thus, the Trinity is not some piece of inexplicable apparent nonsense like a square circle or an interesting theologian. See, I told you it was fun. Rather, because the triune God has revealed himself, we can understand the Trinity. To know the Trinity is to know God, an eternal and personal God of infinite beauty, interest, and fascination. The Trinity is a God we can know and forever grow to know better. I love that quote. And that's why I wanted to share it with you, even though it's not really about the sermon proper, okay? But so, okay, here's where we are. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity is the Spirit, and the preliminary point that I made, do you remember it? I know we kind of went around a rabbit trail, but do you remember it? The word spiritual in Scripture ordinarily means pertaining to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. See, our tendency is when we are see the word spiritual, we think things like otherworldly, supernatural. We think of words like non-material, right? 
And there's some truth in that. But when you read the scriptures, the word spiritual in the scriptures, at least 90 some percent of the time, the vast majority of the time, the word connected to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The quickest and easiest way to see this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. All right? So he's calling these gifts spiritual gifts. Now what does he mean by that? Are they otherworldly? Are they unnatural, supernatural? Well, there's some supernatural aspects to it, yes, but is that really what Paul is getting at? No, what he's saying is these are gifts from the Holy Spirit. And you see that uh, confirmed in the next few verses in 8 and 9 and verse 11. To the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of, the, of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In other words... The word spiritual there in front of gifts means the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gifts and empowers the person to use the gifts the way that he chooses. Okay? And everywhere you read the word spiritual, almost everywhere you read the word spiritual in Scripture, it's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember that. It's going to come back. There won't be a test, but you will need to remember it. All right, now we get into the actual sermon. That was all foundation. This is the main point that I wanted to make today. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for receiving all God has for us in Christ. Okay, that's the point we really want to get across today. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for receiving all God has for us in Christ. Let's see where this is borne out in 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now what is it that we understand about these things? But if you're a believer, one of the things that you understand, or hopefully you understand, is that when God gives a gift, he usually gives that gift through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? How do I know that? Well, let's take a look at some passages. First, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All right, so here's the test. Do you remember what I said about the word spiritual? What's it refer to? The Holy Spirit. So when God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blesses us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, what kind of blessings are they? They are blessings that come through the Holy Spirit. And what kind of blessings are these? Well, they're blessings that come from the Spirit. God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, gives us that gift. 
It's sort of like, and this isn't a perfect analogy, but it's sort of like this past week I had a friend call me and wanted some advice. And as I'm on the phone with my friend, I recognize that the advice that he needs is medical advice. And so I hand the phone over to my wife because she's going to be able to give good medical advice to my friend. The friend called me, but the advice came through my wife. In a very similar way, when we ask the Father for blessings, He hears that and He gives us what we need through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Again, not a perfect analogy, but hopefully that will give you a picture of what we're talking about. And what kind of gifts does the Holy Spirit give us? Tons. We can't name them all today, but I do want to just throw out a few, just so you'll see some of the great things that the Holy Spirit gives us. First of all, John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth. So what is it that the Holy Spirit gives us? The truth. Yeah, the truth. And where do we find that truth? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Something very interesting for you to know, that word, that phrase, breathed out by God, is actually one word in Greek. You, would you like to know what it is? They are neustos. Now that word, I know that really meant a lot to you. But that word is actually made up of two Greek words. First, theos, which means God, and pneuma, which means spirit, Right? So, God, Spirit, Word. All right? Now, we say breathe because the word pneuma can mean breath. It can mean wind, and it can mean spirit. And so, what this passage is saying is that God breathes out His Word through the Holy Spirit. And that is played out in 2 Peter 1.21. We see that plainly stated for no prophecy was ever pro produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Scriptures comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then there are other things like the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All right, if you want to grow in those areas... You get that from the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1.8. Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, for some of us, this is where we start feeling anxious. Because first of all, yeah, just this week, I heard someone say in a Bible study, in a book study, uh, that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, people get nervous. Maybe some of you are starting to feel a little nervous today. And when the preacher starts talking about power from the Holy Spirit, oh my. Well, the frozen chosen might start to get a little hot under the collar with that, Right? And when the whole sermon series 
is about being spiritual, and the pastor says that being spiritual is about the Holy Spirit, well, Reformed and Presbyterian folks like ourselves might start wondering if the pastor has crossed over from being a Calvinist into being a charismatic. Let me just say, I have no interest in being anything other than what the scriptures say. All right? But I do encourage us to recognize that sometimes the focus that we have takes us away from the good things that the Holy Spirit gives us. And we need to recognize how God works in his church through the Holy Spirit. The uh, joint men's Bible stu- book study that we're doing on Thursday afternoon, uh, Thursday at lunch, uh, with Jehovah, Missionary Baptist, and Holy Comforter, and Westminster, we're going through this book called A Praying Life. It's an amazing book, a book that I've really thought we need to read as a church. But we're going to get through this study with uh, the the three churches before I bring it back to you guys. But there's one quote in here that I I wanted to uh, let you know about from Paul Miller in this book. He says, on the one hand, because he's a Reformed guy, he's a Presbyterian guy. On the one hand, my Reformed world is concerned that a misguided emphasis on the Spirit can detract from the authority of God's word and good old-fashioned holiness. All right? So some of you may be thinking, yeah, if you focus on the spirit too much, then you're getting away from the word. We've seen people do destructive or unwise things based on hunches and claims such as the spirit led me, which I will say I have heard some terrible things coming out of someone's mouth saying, the Spirit led me to do this. So yeah, I think there's some, there's some important thinking that we need to do in this area. But on the other hand, Paul Miller goes on to say, the charismatic world is concerned that neglecting prayer and the Spirit opens the door to rationalism and powerlessness. If the reformed world is the car's brakes, The charismatic world is the gas. I don't know a lot about cars, but I do know that if you don't have both a brake pedal and a gas pedal, you're not going to drive very well, right? You've got to be able to put on the brakes when you need to, but if you're not pressing on the gas, you're not going anywhere. If all you're doing is pressing on the brake, you're just sitting still, right? So we need to grow in recognizing that, yes, we focus on the word, but we also need to make sure that we are receiving power to do what God calls us in the word through the Holy Spirit. And that is not charismatic. That is Bible. That is Christian. That is following Jesus, okay? So let's not use those terms, charismatic or whatever. Let's just talk about what the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for receiving all God has for us. And I want Westminster Presbyterian Church, I want all of us to be people who we press on the gas and we press on the brake when we need to, but we press on the gas and we press on the brake when we need to. That's it. Press on the gas and then when you need to, press on the brake. 
And then when you see it's okay, press on the gas again. Got it? Okay. And this is important because apart from the Spirit, apart from the Spirit, we cannot, we cannot accept truly or truly understand God's truths. Apart from the Spirit, we cannot accept or truly understand God's truth. We see that in this passage from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 and 13. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. All right, so here's your test again. What do we say about the word spiritual? It refers to the Holy Spirit. So spiritual truths are what kind of truths? Truths that are come from the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, what are those who are spiritual? <laughs> Some people will say those who are spiritual are people who are, you know, they're really in tune with the Holy Spirit. That's not the way Paul describes a spiritual person. A spiritual person is someone who has the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not act like a spiritual person, but if you have the Holy Spirit, you are a spiritual person. Act like it. That's what Paul's point is over and over again in these passages. So, Paul is saying here that the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches And he teaches by interpreting the truth of God, the very truth that comes from him in the first place. And then he interprets this truth to those whom he indwells. And who are the people the Spirit indwells? Who are they? The spiritual people. They're they're people who believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you are a spiritual person. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And then Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now listen to this. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If you're saying, well, I don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't belong to Jesus. Okay? That's what Scripture says. You don't belong to Jesus unless you have the Spirit of Jesus in you. Okay? And then Paul goes on in this passage to say, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person, that is the person without the Spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does spiritually discerned mean? 
discerned by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who discerns those things in you and for you and with you. Those who do not have the Holy Spirit at work with them cannot understand and cannot accept the truths of God. Now, let me just say really quickly, this does not mean that non-Christians can't understand on any level what the Scriptures say. Okay, It's not like a non-Christian hears this sermon or hears the Word of God read and all they hear is gibberish. Blah, 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 blah. Like that teacher on peanuts. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Or if a non-Christian is reading the Scriptures, it doesn't look like a bunch of indecipherable hieroglyphics and they can't make out what the words are. That's not what this passage is about. No, what this is saying is that the natural person, the person who does not have the Holy Spirit, that person cannot understand the truths in a way to grasp them and believe them and make them their own. Let me try to give an illustration. And again, this isn't a perfect illustration, but maybe it might help. Back in 1984, there was a song by uh, Bruce Springsteen called Born in the USA. Everybody know that song? Yeah, Born in the USA. Many people hear this song, and the first thing they think of is, this is a patriotic salute to being an American. Point in fact, several politicians have used this song as an every man's flag-waving national anthem. But Bruce Springsteen, the guy who wrote the song, has said numerous times, that is not what the song is about. The song is a cutting critique of American policy and society. He's actually critiquing America in that song. And he's using the story of a Vietnam veteran's alienation from the country that he served to do so. That's what that song is really about. And yet people who hear the song, people who actually know all the lyrics to the song, have misunderstood and misinterpreted the meaning of the song because they didn't listen to the author of the song about what it really meant. Do you hear what I'm saying? In the same way, the Holy Spirit, when we read the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit shows us what the meaning is. Maybe we can recite whole passages of Scripture, but without the Holy Spirit, the ultimate author of the Scripture, teaching us what it means, we're prone to miss the meaning. Okay? That's why the Holy Spirit is indispensable to us. You want to really understand what the scriptures have to say? You can't do it on your own. No amount of commentaries or study notes or any of those things are really going to allow you to truly understand the scriptures in a way to understand them and receive them and believe them and live them out unless you have the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's getting at here. So apart from the Spirit, we cannot accept or truly understand God's truth. But even worse, apart from the Spirit, we have no access to Christ. Guys, this, this is the one. This is the point you've got to hear. Verse 
uh, 14 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. So when the Spirit is revealing truth through the Scriptures, and we read it, if we don't have the Spirit working in us, we read it and go, well, that's dumb. That's foolish. I can't believe that. That's what the natural person is like, the person without the Holy Spirit. But the scriptures point us to Jesus. That's the whole point. The whole point of the Bible isn't be little good boys and girls. The, the point of the Bible is God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for our sins and rise from the dead to make us new in him. If you miss that, you've missed everything. And remember what Romans 8 verse 9 says. You, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. John Calvin put it this way in his Institutes of the Christian Religion. We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. Now, you might want to quibble with Calvin there. You might say, wait, it, no way the death of my Savior is useless. But what Calvin's point is, is this. If what Jesus did is outside of us and it's not connected to us and we're not connected to Jesus and what he's done for us, then it is useless to us, right? It's got to be taken in. And then he goes on to say, the Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites us to himself. So if you want Jesus and all that he has, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Because as the spirit of wisdom and truth, the Holy Spirit not only points us to Jesus, he connects us to him. He, the Holy Spirit's part of his job is to point us to Jesus over and over again. We see that in John 15, 26. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's part of the job of the spirit. He shows us Jesus. He said, like, look, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, look at him, look at him. That's what the Spirit's doing. But also, the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. Uh, John Owen says this, the calling, gathering, preservation, and edification of the church belong to the Holy Spirit. We are united to the Lord Christ as our mystical head by the Spirit, the one and self-same Spirit dwelling in him and those that believe Union to Christ without saving grace and saving grace without the Holy Spirit are strangers to the gospel and Christian religion. Or if I can put it in my words, no spirit, no Jesus. No Jesus, no good news, no gospel. No good news, no gospel, no hope. But there is hope 
Because all that Jesus has for us, all that God the Father has for us, is ours in Christ through the Holy Spirit. God has given us freely of the Holy Spirit. If we ask, God gives and gives abundantly. And he connects us. The Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. And I know I'm running, I'm running um, uh, long on this, but I, I do want to make this one last point. Did anybody stumble a little bit at the very last verse of uh, 1 Corinthians 2? Where it says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Yeah, who can understand God? I mean, he's God, we're not. He's infinite, we're not. He's all-wise, we're not. He's holy, we're not. He's perfect in every way, we're not. Right? So who could understand his ways? But then Paul doesn't say, well, you're just out of luck. That's not what he says. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. How could Paul say that? How could he say that people like us have the mind of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords? Well, think about it. We who believe have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand and believe the truth. The truth about Jesus. The truth about God. The truth about what Jesus has done for us. The truth found in the scriptures that the Spirit has breathed out. And so, because the Spirit of Christ is living within us, those of us who believe, we have access to the mind of Christ by the presence of the Holy Spirit who is leading us into his truth. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Keep going back to the scriptures. Keep going back to the Holy Spirit. Renew your mind because you have access to Jesus himself if you believe. And you can grow to have that mind of Christ not just be with you, but in you, and you're acting out of it. Don't you want that? Don't you want, in all, in all the situations, all the complications, all the ugliness of this world, don't you want the wisdom of God as you walk into a situation? We have the mind of Christ because the Holy Spirit causes us to have access to his wisdom as we read the scriptures. Okay? Now, the question is, are we going to read the scriptures? The question is, are we going to rely on the Holy Spirit? The question is, are we going to believe that any of this is true? So here's your action point. It's very simple. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more of his truth to you. That's it. Holy Spirit, reveal your truth to me. I want to know the mind of Christ. I want to understand your word. I want to know how to apply wisdom 
in my life and in the lives of others. Teach me your ways. That's it. And watch and see what the Holy Spirit will do as we ask. So folks, let's grow in our relationship with God in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray for us that we will do that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for breathing it out by the Holy Spirit so that we can know truth. And thank you even more that you've given us the Holy Spirit who interprets for us your truths, opens our eyes and opens our ears and opens our hearts to know and see and hear and receive what you have for us in Christ. And so I ask for every person in this room and every person listening online that wherever we are, whether we know you or not, that you would give us what we need by your Holy Spirit. If that's a new heart and a new mind, please give it. If it's faith, please give it. If it's growth in relying on you, Holy Spirit, please give it to us so that we all will grow in the mind of Christ and we really will reflect your goodness, your love, your character, not only to each other, but to the world around us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.